0: The circle of life of data, the data life cycle. You've made some data. Congratulations, your data are born. Maybe you had some research goals and maybe you just started taking photos, but there you are, your beautiful data. Congratulations. There's a goal-driven part of data management that helped you decide what data you wanted to capture based on what you needed to know and what data would answer those questions. That's kind of a top-down view on your data, a vertical look from that high-level data strategy to your individual columns and fields and pixels. But there's another important part to data planning, which is the flow of data from creation to use to disposal. It's sort of a horizontal view of your data, sometimes called the data lifecycle or the data value chain. If you want your data to work in service of your goals, it's good to think about how it's going to get where it needs to go and how it's going to get used after it's been created. And if you're someone who cares about privacy issues or long-term historical data sets, and I know my people in Fish World do, then you care very much about that last part of the life cycle, storage, archiving, and erasing data. So let's break that life cycle down. I break it down into four steps, collection, analysis, information slash implementation, and storage slash disposal. If you go on the internet, you'll see a lot of examples of data life cycles, many of which have many more steps or slightly different names. I am, as they say in science, a lumper more than a splitter. So I go with four stages. But if you're going to try this at home, feel free to split them up more finely. If you need an extra step to characterize an important part of your data life cycle, add it in. For example, sometimes when we're mapping how data moves through a system in fisheries, we add a specific step for transmitting the data from the initial collection point to where it's going to be analyzed. And that's because getting data off of a boat that's 100 miles offshore isn't always as simple as sending it on a cell phone. There might not be a satellite collection. You might actually have to put it in the mail when the boat gets back to shore. However many stages you want to use, write them all down and look at them in order as a sequence, left to right or right to left if that's your alphabet, because that's a key reason why we're thinking about the data lifecycle. What needs to happen to move the data from one stage to the next? What has to happen to make that movement possible? Now, if you're a pro data collector or you're just a data analyst and scientist or you're an excellent natural resource manager who wants to focus on that particular phase, fantastic. We need specialists like you. We also need you or someone you delegate to take a little bit of time to think about the overall data lifecycle, because that's going to make your job easier. If you're an analyst and the data you need aren't collected properly or at all, you don't have any work to do. If you're going in to negotiate a big international agreement and you don't have the analysis you need to back up your demands, you're in a tough position. So if you've got a data strategy and you're about to collect your data, or maybe you've just started collecting it, let's talk through a data life cycle to think through how that data will move from the first record to the day it disappears. Phase one, collection. You've got your overall goals and objectives. You've decided what data you need to collect. How are you gonna do that? Well, some of the things we use in Ocean and Fish World are surveys by mail, on the internet, on your phone, Paper reports, like logbooks that people fill out while they're fishing. Electronic reports. Sensors, video cameras, buoys, drones, submarines, tagging fish with tags that pop off and transmit to satellites, biological samples, DNA sensors. Your field probably has its favorite data collection methods. When you're talking about collection, you get to make a big list of all the ways you might be able to capture the data and start winnowing them down. What can you afford? What do you already have someone trained to do? Can someone actually fly that drone? What's gonna give you the best quality data with the least amount of work or for the money you have? The collection phase is also your time to think about metadata or data about data or data standards. Let's say you wanna track the daily water temperature near two coral reefs and the number of a certain fish seen swimming there each day. One team records the temperature in Fahrenheit and reports the fish as five medium blue parrotfish. The other team records the temperature in Celsius at a specific water depth and says there were three 75 centimeter long Chlorurus microrhinos. Someone in your data cycle is going to have to translate those temperatures into the same system to compare them. Maybe they won't be able to compare those data at all, because how do you know they're talking about the exact same species of parrotfish? And somewhere in the metadata, you probably want to keep track of what you used for your temperature sensors in case six months from now, the manufacturer releases a patch because oops, turns out all their sensors were off by three degrees. So a special thank you to all those data analysts out there right now cleaning up the data and trying to figure out if that mark on that smudged piece of paper is a five or an S for small. There's always going to be a need for some data cleaning. But by taking some time to think through what you need for metadata, what kind of standards you are going to use for the data and formats up front, that can reduce the amount of time you need to spend cleaning data. And making a point of writing down details about the data collection methods makes it more likely your data will be useful in the future, even to people who weren't on that original collection team, maybe years down the road. The collection phase of the lifecycle is also a good time to think about what data you actively don't want to capture, or that you want to get rid of right away. Back to our coral reef researchers. What if they're using their personal cell phones to fill out web forms? Are you capturing their phone numbers when they hit submit? Do you need their phone numbers? Do you want to deal with their phone numbers? Those are private details, their name and their phone number and the location of their phone. It's... Called personally identifying information, it's a privacy issue, and in many parts of the world, there are special rules and regulations about how you have to deal with that data. You might not want to deal with that, so best not to collect it at all. It also might turn people off if you're asking volunteers or other staff to help you collect data if they think they're being personally tracked. There's always ways around your data storage if you don't need that that allow you to uniquely identify each field. So if you don't need it, try not to collect it at all. Save your server space and your time for more important data. Phase two of your data lifecycle, analysis. This is where the magic happens. This is where the data scientists shine. The data are in and you get to learn things from them. We didn't use to call them data scientists. That's kind of a new term that came into being about 10 years ago. We used to just call them data analysts or scientists who manage data. But we've got bigger computers now and new tools like machine learning, and our analytical capacity is growing day by day. Analysis often gets the bulk of the attention in the data lifecycle because it does tend to produce those cool insights. But it really works best when you did a good job on the collection phase, so you have good data to analyze, quality data, accurate data, data that's relevant to the questions you want to answer, and have a good idea of where you're going with the next phase, communication and implementation, so the analysis that you do has the right impact on the right people. Phase three, information and implementation. This is the phase of your data lifecycle where everyone gets involved. It's where managers and policymakers and law enforcement and journalists and businesses all start asking for answers from the data in a way that makes sense to them. It's where you're turning data into stories or where a well-made chart or data visualizations can change real-world decisions. When you're thinking about this phase in the data lifecycle, consider what resources you'll need to turn the data into information. Maybe turning the same data into different information for different audiences. Original data about the fish caught by one boat, for example, may need to be transformed into a regional economic impact report or an export certificate that gets printed and stuck to the side of a crate or an animated map of global ship traffic. Anticipating what people need at the implementation and information stage helps you plan the right data collection, prioritize what analytics to run, and figure out what storytelling tools you need on your team so someone isn't up all night learning to program to make the graphs come out right the night before your presentation. Phase four, storage and disposal. You're all done with your data and you need a place to keep it. Are you really all done with your data? Can you erase it? Or do you need to keep it for a little while longer? Maybe you want to connect it to next month's data, or you need to have a legal record, or you're building on a big open data set. You could buy a hard drive and store the data on the hard drive on a shelf. You could encrypt it and put it in the cloud, or not let anyone access it. Or you could link it to a much larger database. This is the last phase of the data lifecycle, and it doesn't always get the love it deserves, storage and disposal. If you want your data to have a life beyond your one particular question, your one particular project, you need to think about where it's going to live on. Maybe you're working with a sensitive data set and once the summaries and analyses are done, you should delete it all. If you don't actively plan for it to be preserved, you might be unpleasantly surprised to find out it's been deleted. Or if you didn't plan for it to get scrubbed, you might be unpleasantly surprised that it's still there 10 years from now. Like a good TV show, be decisive about the arc of your data and plan to end on a high note. If the data's done its job, celebrate it and send it off into the digital ether. If it has more to do, find a way to store that data so it can keep working for you and for others. So that's a four-phase data life cycle. Collection, analysis, creating information and implementation tools, and then storing the data or erasing it. Whether you only have one job in that cycle, you're in charge of planning the whole shebang, or maybe you're just someone data is being collected on. It's good to keep the full cycle in mind and ask, what's going to happen next to my data? And is that the best next step? If not, weigh in and try and make that data be all it can be until its time has come. This episode is produced by Melanie Scroggins, Thanks to Amanahuja and Eddie Tejeda for always being patient with my data questions. And also credit to DJ Patel, who's credited with coming up with the job title of data scientist and said, the important thing is how you use data to interact with the world. Study it and to try and come up with new things. Good advice for all of us.